0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the Van Maren Show at lifesightnews.com. Today we're continuing our interviews of various pro-life leaders discussing what a post row world might look like and what pro-life groups are going to be doing in the hopefully days ahead after Roe v. Wade is overturned. Of course, if Roe v. Wade is overturned, we can't out our chickens before they're hatched, but by the time this airs, Roe v. Wade may be gone. So keep in mind this interview was recorded prior to the potential of a decision being made. So perhaps we're talking about a world that has already arrived. We talked to Mark Harrington recently about how pro-life groups are preparing for a wave of violence undertaken by a string of activists and anarchists operating under the slogan, Jane's Revenge. And today we're talking to someone from Live Action, which is America's largest educational organization seeking to change the hearts and minds of people on abortion. We've had the director, the executive director of live action on the show before. She'll be known to most of you. That would be Lila Rose, the undercover investigative reporter and now director of live action as it is now. Of course, it has evolved from an organization that mainly did undercover work, which was the subject we discussed with Lila when she came on the show to talk about her memoir and is now a group that seeks to create educational resources that can be used everywhere from crisis pregnancy centers, on the streets, on campuses. Uh, at the Canadian Centre for Bioethical Reform, we've used some of their resources in our own outreach work. And this is, uh, brings us to one of their new projects they've just launched. Uh, you can head over to abortionprocedures.com and check out the new videos they've been creating. They're very hard-hitting, they're very powerful, and they feature former abortionists discussing their work and explaining what each individual procedure looks like, shining a light into the darkness that so often surrounds the abortion procedure. This is especially necessary when we see all of the coverage uh, that the mainstream media has been doing leading up to the declaration of the Dobbs decision. We had the Washington Post recently do a story on a woman who couldn't get an abortion in Texas and now has twins. And the journalist talks about how, you know, she looks at what her life could have been without her twins even though she loves her twins and i couldn't help but wonder uh, when those twins are old enough to read the article when they find their names online what they will think of the journalist mourning the fact that they do in fact uh, exist we see other articles like coming out from today uh, which went over a whole bunch of men and why they were glad that they could get their partners to have abortions at certain periods and so What we find is that abortion is being discussed without the details of what abortion actually is being discussed. There aren't articles coming out explaining that abortion decapitates, dismembers, and disembowels a developing human being, and that Roe v. Wade has resulted in more than 60 million victims. And so to discuss what Live Action is planning to do to educate the American people on what abortion actually is, I'm joined by Christine Bennett, a spokesperson for Live Action, discussing their newest project. This is That Conversation. All right, before we get into Live Action's newest uh, pro-life projects, maybe give uh, listeners a bit of a sense of of who you are. How did you end up in the pro-life movement? What's your backstory? And then how did you end up at Live Action?
1: My name is Christina Bennett, and I'm a pro-life advocate. I've been one for about 17 years. And my pro-life journey started in college after discovering that I was scheduled to be aborted. My mom walked out of her abortion appointment and actually... Left the doctor's office, even though he yelled at her and told her to stay. And the reason that she was able to do that was because moments before, a janitor in the hospital hallway saw her crying in her white robe and told her that God would give her the strength to have her baby. So I had an 11th hour miracle where I was scheduled to die. I was really faced with death. In just a few minutes, everything changed for me dramatically, and my mom ended up leaving. But she kept that a secret and she never planned on telling me. But I discovered that truth in college. And then during that time, I was really praying. I'm a Christian. I was really seeking God about what to do. And I had this sense and this knowing that God wanted me, that God wanted me to live, that he fought for me to live. And then I had the question of what about the others? What about the other children? And so I dedicated myself to fighting for other children to live, other children who were faced with death like I was when I was in the womb. And that's what connected me with live action. After I think about 10 or so years of doing pro-life work in various capacities, I started writing for live action. And at the same time, I started working for a pregnancy center. So it's been a really amazing journey, you know, working with live action throughout
0: the last, I would say probably five or six years. So what sort of work have you been doing at Live Action?
1: Right now, I am a spokesperson, so I get to do wonderful things like this. I get to do interviews with people and, and share my story. I also get to go to rallies and to different events, you know, all across the country. We were just in San Francisco just a month or so ago, and we were protesting outside of the Zuckerberg Hospital in regards to abortion and what they do at that hospital and the way that they train abortionists up across the country. And we released a, a video series called Abortion Procedures with former abortion doctors who were also with us in San Francisco. I got to actually pray and hold hands with one of them, Dr. Beverly McMillan, who was a former abortion doctor. So I get to travel. I get to speak to youth. I get to speak in front of the Supreme Court. We spoke there for a, a rally for the Dobbs case. As, as you know, we're waiting to hear what the Supreme Court is going to decide in regards to that case. So just a a bunch of different things, talking to young people, engaging with them on social media, engaging with them in person on the streets, holding events, rallies, doing whatever we can to really awaken the conscience of, of the nation in regards to abortion.
0: Tell us about this uh, this new project, abortionprocedures.com, dot com, and then the title is "What Is Abortion?" Here's what you need to know. And and when I went to the site after it got it got sent to me, I, I recognized some of the people right away. Some of the former abortionists I've actually I've actually interviewed on this show, but. And, and, and Live Action has done work on the abortion, like exposing abortion procedures before. There was, you did a series with Dr. Anthony Levitino that, that show, showed with these really powerful graphics how abortions are performed. You produced these videos showing people watching those videos on tablets, you know, out on the street and changing their mind after seeing what an abortion procedure actually does. So what is this uh, new What Is Abortion Project all about?
1: This project, Abortion Procedures and What is Abortion?, is really just continuing what you said. You know, the first project we did with Dr. Anthony Levitano, and that was seen by you know, millions and millions of people. And we had people writing in and telling us, emailing us and telling us, I changed my mind, I kept my baby, I canceled my abortion appointment, because so many people do not know what abortion really is. The question, what is abortion? If you're polling people or if you're asking people on the street, do you support abortion? They may say Yes. But when they think about what abortion is, they may be saying yes to supporting what they believe is reproductive justice, what they believe is a woman's right, what they believe is liberation. And so they're saying yes to supporting something without knowledge of what they're actually supporting. So few people really know what happens during an abortion. And that's what this video series reveals. We have these former abortion doctors and they are going through the procedures from a RU486 chemical abortion to a second trimester abortion, first trimester abortion, And we have these medically accurate animations. And so we use these medically accurate animations along with the testimony of these former abortion doctors to illustrate to people what happens during an abortion because so few people are educated. Even the women themselves, when they're going to get abortion, have been lied to. Many have been told, oh, it's just tissue. It's not a baby yet. Nothing's happening. And so this video really It reveals the truth of what is happening during an abortion, as gruesome as it is, the the dismembering of a living, growing human being, and it provides people an opportunity to educate themselves so they know really what they're supporting if they are supporting it.
0: Some people might ask, how have there been 63 million abortions in the U.S. since 1973 when Roe v. Wade first established a so-called right to abortion? And the majority of people still don't know what abortion actually is, right? We just saw... Horrifying new data on how many pregnancies end in abortion every year. That number has risen because of our U four eight six. It's you know the 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 key argument of the abortion abortion movement right now is that this is a normal, common procedure. So how are those both of those things true at the same time?
1: Well, I think part of the reason why we have so many abortions, uh, especially since 1973, is because when you legalize something, you normalize it. So when you make something legal, you're putting a stamp of approval on it for a nation. And so when Roe v. Wade was made legal through you know, the Supreme Court, tragically, our highest court in the land, many people thought, okay, well, if the Supreme Court says it's okay, then it is. And then, of course, you had a major push by Planned Parenthood in the abortion industry with marketing, where they are literally selling abortion. They're selling it to the masses by telling them, this is your ticket to freedom. This is your ticket to liberation. You're afraid that you can't finish college. You can get an abortion and then you can finish college. You're not sure if you can stay in that relationship. You're not sure if you can get your dream job. You can get an abortion and you can accomplish these things. And women begin to believe this was a part of our identity and that this is a right that we needed to have to be equal to men to be able to do the things that men can do and so sadly the feminist movement in the 1970s they took this you know Gloria Steinem and different women and they ran with it and they said that this is a part of their platform and generations just believed that lie there's a whole other story in regards to the african-american community i myself am a black woman come from a black family. My husband's a black man and we have, you know, thankfully my husband and I are are pro-life, but we didn't grow up that way. We never heard abortion talked about growing up in church or at our homes. And so we heard the lies as well, which Planned Parenthood also has done a great job at going into the black communities, putting abortion clinics there and selling the lie that if you're a woman and you're on social services, or if you're on welfare, or if your child be born and go into foster care, it's better for you to have an abortion. That's a better thing for you to do. And there's just been so many lies. And that's why you see this number, uh, over you know, 60 million babies that have died, because so many people have bought this lie. And as you mentioned before, with the abortion pill, now it's available through the mail. So you're seeing an even more increase in this because the FDA just changed the guidelines during the pandemic and said, let's just let this go out through the mail so that people can have it as you know, accessible as they want it to be, which is so dangerous.
0: I've wondered for a while, uh, you know, when RU486 came out, there was a lot of talk about how this was going to make abortion a lot easier. It was going to make abortion victim photography and the sorts of abortion procedure videos uh, that you folks are using less effective. But the reality is, is that what RU486 does for a lot of people is it removes Uh, the barrier between them and the child they're aborting, right? We know that abortionists and abortion clinics do their very best to ensure that people do not see the child after it is aborted. In many cases, they won't allow the woman to see what's going on on the ultrasound during the procedure. But we're already hearing many stories, not just from the U.S., but from Canada and elsewhere, of women who take the abortion pill uh, and then their baby ends up in the toilet or in the shower and suddenly they're coming face to face with the baby they aborted in a way they never would have if they were going to a clinic. So on one hand, it makes abortion a lot more accessible because women can order pills in the mail. On the other hand, women are are seeing their babies face to face in a way they would not have if they were in a clinic scenario. What are your thoughts on, on how RU486 changes the dynamic of the debate in a whole bunch of different ways?
1: Well, I think you're absolutely right. And I'm I'm really glad that you brought that point up. You know, when I was just beginning to learn about abortion in college after finding my story out, I just started to listen to women. And one of the first women that I ever talked to who told me her story took the RU486 abortion pill. And she told me how she literally like held her baby as it was in the toilet. And it was so traumatizing for her that even decades later, when she was telling me, I was just shaken by even hearing her recount this story because it was so traumatic. It's something that people are not prepared for because when they think about the chemical abortion pill, it is being advertised as safer than Tylenol. So if you go on social media, if you go on Google, I have seen this multiple times myself when I'm on social media, I'll see something pop up and it'll say the abortion pill is now available through mail and it's safer than Tylenol. So women are thinking, oh, take a pill, like I take Tylenol, like I take other pills. And they're not prepared for the reality of, as you said, passing their child in a toilet. They're not prepared for the reality of, God forbid, but this does happen, parts being left inside of them. I know a young Black woman in my state who's contacted me, who I've had multiple conversations with, who took the RU486 pill. I mean, it literally caused her to have to go to the hospital and she had to relearn how to walk and she lost her fertility. So, she's in her early 20s and a college student, and she is not able to ever, aside from a miracle, have a child again. So, that is the reality that you're not going to be told when you go to a Planned Parenthood. That's the reality that you're not going to be told because they don't want you to know. And so, it's going to create so much trauma for people in their own homes, as you mentioned. Women who've had abortions. Those of them who've been traumatized by that experience, some of them never want to go back to that abortion clinic. Some of them feel uncomfortable driving by the street where the abortion clinic's at. Some of, that, some of them feel traumatized by, by even being in the town where they had that abortion. But imagine if that abortion's in your own bathroom, in your own home. How do you function when you flash back to that and you have to be in that bathroom every single day? I just, I feel so bad. I feel so much empathy and pain for women who feel like this is their best answer because it's not, it's just, they're being sold a lie.
0: Tell us a bit about the abortion doctors, or I should say former abortion doctors who agreed to go on video explaining the procedures they used to do.
1: Yes. So we have four female abortion doctors. Um, Three of them are, you know, white women. One of them is an African-American woman And they all felt compelled to tell their stories because they wanted to save lives and they wanted to let people know what's really going on. I think one of the stories that really just resonated with me, they all resonate with me, um, but one of them that really just stands out to me is Dr. Beverly McMillan. And her story is that she was an abortion doctor in Mississippi and she thought she was doing the right thing. She really believed that she was helping women. And one day a receptionist said to her, can I see what happens after an abortion? And so she thought, okay, sure. Yeah, I can show you. Um, Let me just wait until I have a a fetus that is larger in size. And then I will show you what happens. And so one day she had a 12-week fetus and she decided to... Show her what happened. And so after the abortion procedure, she brought this woman, the receptionist, into the back room and she began to show her how she took the parts of the baby and placed them on the table. And the reason that they have to do that, the reason that they have to put the parts of the baby on the table, is they have to make sure that they have everything. Because if for some reason they don't have everything and that's left inside of a woman, She could die. She could get very sick and die. And so she was doing that, making sure that that happened. And she looked down and she saw a tiny bicep. And it reminded her of her son's bicep because she has a little, at the time, she had a little boy who was, I think, four years old. And he would run around the house and he would say to her, Mommy, Mommy, um, look at my muscle. Look at my muscle. And so when she saw, that little bicep, it reminded her of her son. And in that moment, she had just an absolute eye-opening experience. And she said she could never go back to doing an abortion again. That's what it took for her, which is just a, a miracle because so many people pray for those who are working in the abortion industry So many people are outside of abortion clinics trying to talk to doctors and trying to witness to them, and you really never know what it's going to take for someone to come out, but that's what it took for her.
0: Was it difficult for people who once performed abortions are now pro-life to sort of reenact and explain what they did on camera on these powerful videos?
1: Sometimes it is, but thankfully, you know, with these doctors, they've done this for years, and so I'm sure that at this point, I don't know, you know, for them, if it if it's um, ever something that makes them nervous, that's a good question. And I don't really know, but I do know they've had experience doing it for years. And so I'm imagining that maybe not they get more comfortable, but they get more familiar and used to telling it. And I think the reward makes it, um, you know, worth it for them too, that the reward of knowing that someone's being educated, that someone's hearing the truth, that, that someone is possibly saving a life. And so I'm sure like everyone else, they might get nervous and there's probably certain parts of their story that are harder to tell than others. I'm sure there's certain things that are more traumatizing than others. I remember being in an event with Abby Johnson, who was a former abortion um, staff worker. She managed to plan parenthood and she has a ministry helping former abortion workers leave. And I remember one particular woman saying that even the dessert on the table, it was like a red raspberry dessert. It was triggering for her to even look at the dessert because it reminded her of the blood from the abortion industry that she saw so often. So I guess we never really know what parts of a person's story is going to be traumatic for them to share. But thankfully, the women that we've talked to, they are comfortable sharing their story. And so they were willing to do it to help others.
0: What was the strategy behind doing this? Because these are really, really well-done videos, and and this would have taken a lot of doing, not just the website, but each individual video. So what was the strategizing process that went behind a decision to create this project?
1: We're always just trying to be on the cutting edge, you know, as live action. We have millions of followers on social media. We have over 2 million people on our Facebook account. We have our Twitter. We have our Instagram, our TikTok. And so we're always trying to be on the cutting edge, but also we're trying to create content that would really open people's eyes. We want to change hearts. We want to change, change minds. And we saw how effective our former video was, you know, with the abortion procedures. And we've done different projects, many different projects. We did a baby Olivia video, which shows you know, fetal development, which is which is amazing. We've done um the 2363 campaign exposing how every single day. That's how many babies are dying, 2,363. But there's something about abortion procedures that is different because it just truly shows people what they do not see. Where a planned parent has lied to them and told them it's just tissue and that they're going to feel relief after their procedure and that nothing's really happening and it's not a big deal. It's going to be over before they know it. When we take these videos on the streets, they really open people's eyes. and so our team, Lila Rose, who is the president and founder and our team, we wanted to you know create something that would just show people the truth and we wanted to use the power of personal stories because we found that when you see someone's face, you know even through a video, when you look at them, when you hear their voice, when you hear them tell their story, it just makes it real. And very few people have actually listened to or talked to an abortion doctor, a former abortion doctor in person. So, if you were to interview people on the street and say, Have you ever talked to a former abortion doctor who regretted what they did? Very few people are going to say yes. And so, through these videos, we're bringing people that experience right into their living room, right on their phone, something that they've never perhaps encountered before. They're used to hearing people say they, support abortion. They're used to that because they turn on their TV, they see celebrities talking about it, saying they couldn't have gotten this award without abortion. And perhaps they are in school and they're hearing their teachers talking about it and their friends. And so this provides them with people who are intelligent people, people who have degrees, people who, who have experiences um, in life, you know, their parents, they're, you know, older people, um, the women in these videos, they have experience, they have wisdom. It allows people with authority who've said, you know, I did something wrong. It allows people to see that example. And that's really why we wanted to do it. We wanted to give them that encounter with, with that kind of truth coming from these important women
0: what is the strategy for getting these videos off the internet and in front of people's eyeballs? Cause I've seen videos that, that live action has posted on both Twitter and YouTube uh, of people taking, um, you know, tablets out there and stopping people asking what they think about abortion, uh, playing the videos for them. Is that the strategy to essentially take the videos to viewers or are you trying to lure them onto the website somehow?
1: So it, it's both that and more. It's, it's partly what I'm doing today, you know, talking to you and, uh, your listeners will hear this, and hopefully, they will, you know, go online and watch the videos. It's when I go to a campus or when I go to a church. When we go to hold a rally, you know, we're doing an event called Unite for Life, LA, um, later this year in October. We're going to be on the Santa Monica Pier. There's going to be thousands of young people there. We're going to have like a concert, and we're going to talk about these these videos, and. When we do things like this, we were just in D.C. not too long ago, a few months ago for an event with um, various pro-life groups and lots and lots of college students, lots of young people. We are talking to people about these things, about our content. And we're, yes, we're encouraging them to go to our social media, but we're also you know, showing them things in person. That's part of the way that we reach people. It's a combination of events and rallies and campuses and churches as well as radio interviews and podcasts and tv shows and news clips and social media and of course just an everyday conversation as well so every person on our team every person that we work with you know we're talking to the people in our lives and letting them know you know what's going on the people in our churches in our community and so it's kind of a multi-pronged strategy to reach as many people as possible with the truth.
0: When you go out and you show people the videos, what is the general reaction to people seeing the abortion procedure video for the first time? People are
1: are touched. You know, they are very moved um, to see videos like this because so many of them, again, they they have never seen anything like this. They, you know, they wouldn't see it in school and they probably might not. Hear about it at their church. I mean, that was my experience in Connecticut because I grew up in a state where it's very pro-abortion, and you don't, you know, you don't hear about those kind of things in church. And so, we've actually done, you know, some research. We I mean, do, we do have some numbers, and one of the numbers that we have is that uh, the number of individuals who said that abortion should never be allowed jumped from twenty-five percent to forty-six percent after watching these videos. So when we were on the streets with the videos. You know, at first, when we asked people, you know, what they thought about abortion and if it should ever be allowed, twenty five percent jumped to forty six percent after they watched the video. So they they changed their mind. So they said after seeing that video, now I don't think that abortion should ever be allowed. It was only twenty five percent at first, and then it became forty six percent after the video.
0: Twenty five percent. So, core that, that's 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 pretty that's pretty high. What's the uh, and what do they say is the key reason for changing their mind?
1: they're seeing the dismemberment of the baby and they didn't know that happened. They didn't know. Um, It's crazy to think that because it's like, well, how could you not know? How could you, what do you think happens in an abortion? How could you not know? But it's so sterilized. And it's just, again, so many words are used like reproductive justice and reproductive freedom. When you see the image, even through a animation, when you see the image of a, Preborn child's leg being taken off when you see the image of their arm being taken off that's shocking to people it's really shocking to them because it's like hear no evil see no evil is the way that it is with the abortion industry it's like if i don't see it if i don't hear it um then i don't know what's happening and i and i'm not gonna ask how it happens and so when we show them it disgusts them it, it, it it's like a visceral response where they say Oh, I I didn't know it looked like that. I didn't know that's what actually happened.
0: Now, what is the plan to scale this up in in a macro way? So, one of the things uh that we we, we do when we're trying to reach people is is it's difficult to ensure that you're reaching abortion-minded people to ensure you're reaching pro-choice people. So, you've created these phenomenal resources. Uh, what's the strategy just to ensure that you get eyeballs in front of them and that you can sort of track who's all viewing them i know you have a let's let's get this to people in every possible way approach um but is there sort of an activist strategy behind this as well so you've produced the resources and of course you're hoping activists will use them and i know a lot of people do we've used uh, some of your abortion procedure videos in our work even just showing them on campus um but is there is there, is there any activist strategy just to get them in front of in front of your average everyday person because in the videos I watched of, of people kind of like wow I did not know that was the case it was usually passers-by that you just stopped right um but to get people to look at these things you have to go to where the people are so is there a, an activist strategy or advice or a set of guidelines for what activists should do to get these uh, resources that you guys have created in front of pro-choice people?
1: Sure. So we do a lot of different things. You know, we have an entire team of of people at Live Action and they're all engaged in different ways. You know, we have people working in the government, you know, we have people working on campuses, we have people working, you know, doing the street stuff, doing social media. Um, One of the ways that we help people to see our stuff is just through unique advertisements. So we've done things like banners in the air, like in the sky, um, you know, flying through, you know, uh, flying from the back of a plane, like over a football game, or we've done, um, you know, signs above taxis, we've done signs on the side of buses, so that people can, you know, when they're just out and about, they can, you know, see it on the buses. We've taken trucks with our information into different cities, um, recently we went into New York and we did an event there where we had a sign up on on the back of a truck in New York and people were walking by and they were seeing our content and then we you know we hand out cards and we hand out information and so we can track like if we're if we're doing a particular event somewhere and where we have a sign or we have a truck or we have you know a certain amount of taxis or billboards or something there then we can also track um, how many people hit our website? How many people looked at our website um, during that particular time that we were engaged in that you know city? and so that's just one example, but there's lots of different ways that we um, try to reach people and then my advice I guess for activists on the ground um, one thing that we also do which i would encourage people to do is you know partner with as many organizations as you can that are you know doing that same work that you're doing and and you know share the content with them so if you're on the college campus um you know perhaps you get live actions information, but you also partner with, you know, students for life. Or if you're in a community, you know, you get live actions information, perhaps you partner with your local pregnancy resource center, and you, you find out what their network is, because, you know, each person has a different network. And then you see, you know, there's strength in numbers, like how can we reach people? So I, myself here in Connecticut, I, you know, I work with live action. I'm also, you know, formerly worked at a pregnancy center. So I have those connections and I have different political connections. And so I have all these different things um, that we plan that we know if we're doing a movie night or if we're working with legislators to try to to put something forward and or if we are um, going door knocking with the pregnancy centers. And then I will share the live action content in those various ways. But it's through partnership and networking and really trying to get with like-minded people to reach as many people as possible. And then you see what different opportunities come your way. Sometimes you have unexpected opportunities where someone will give you an open door into a school and maybe you weren't expecting that or somebody will give you an open door into an event or you can do a booth somewhere. So there's a lot of creative ways to, to get the message out. And it might look different for each person depending on what city they're in, you know what resources they have available to them, and you know what they're able to do and what they want to do.
0: Looking ahead just a little bit, we're hoping, obviously, that on on Wednesday or next Monday, uh, we are going to enter into a post Roe America. What are Live Action's plans for a post Roe America?
1: Well, our work will carry on because you know, as you know, and I'm sure many of your listeners know, when the Supreme Court. You know, decides to stand with the Dobbs case, which I'm, you know saying in faith, it will spark change for, you know the entire nation, but there will be, tragically, states that are still pro-abortion. So my state of Connecticut, we have codified Rowan to our state law, and we just recently even made abortion um, protection stronger by allowing midwives and APR and nurses to perform abortions. And so tragically, it's not going to change in Connecticut and New York and California, where, um, where Lila Rose is the founder and president. She lives in California. So we still have a lot of work cut out for ourselves. And so basically, the strategy is going to include fighting for life in the states where abortion is still legal and educating people and exposing the truth about abortion as well as supporting women and families, of course, across the board, but then, you know, specifically um, working to, to release information and graphics and, and, and um, content that will help support people in states where abortion has now become illegal or restricted, and perhaps they need resources. And so just an example, as I mentioned a couple times about the pregnancy resource center. One of the things that we've been doing is just kind of blasting the information and in the news about how pregnancy centers, since this has happened, since the Supreme Court document was leaked, they've been attacked. There have been graffitied and broken windows, and Molotov cocktails thrown through the windows, and just you know, firebombed and everything else because people are afraid. And there's these radical pro-abortion groups, Jane's Revenge, who are threatening violence against pro-life organizations and pregnancy centers. And so we've been exposing that. So many people have not heard about it on the news. They've not heard about it on mainstream news. So we've been the news channel that's been exposing that to them. But we're doing that so that people will know what's happening, but also support them. And they will need support, especially as we see, you know, Roe versus Wade overturned. And so we're just working with legislators where we have an event coming up where we're working with um, legislators and those who are making the laws and we are educating them so that they can pass pro life legislation and they can be a voice in their communities. So we have, you know, we have people on, on a lot of different fronts, but basically our work carries on and we're just going to continue to do what we do. And of course it will look different if we see this victory from the
0: Supreme Court. Christina, thank you so much for taking the time to share all of this with us.
1: Oh, you're welcome. It's honestly my pleasure. And I thank you for being willing to have this conversation because so many people are afraid to, it's too controversial for them. And even, you know, Christian people, conservative people, people that, you know, even that are pro-life in name, sometimes shy away from having these tough conversations, but, it is really at the end of the day, a basic human rights issue, civil rights issue that all of us should be able to talk about. So I'm I'm grateful to be able to share.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, that was my conversation with Christine Bennett of Live Action, discussing their new project, which you can find at abortionprocedures.com or on Live Action's various social media platforms. Thanks for joining us this week. If you want to check out past shows or subscribe to future shows, head over to lifesitenews.com click on the podcast tab. You can find us wherever you get your content. Thanks so much for listening.